in my practice as a healthcare provider, when I'm faced with a client who is in a very frail state, whether they need emotional or physical protection, the extract that comes to mind for me is dog rose. And that is exactly what we'll be talking about today on this Gemma Memo. I'm Lauren Hubelay. I'm a health coach and Gemma therapy expert. And I'm here with two amazing colleagues who will be helping me share with you about gymotherapy ex, ex, extracts, excuse me, particularly today, Dog Rose. Terry, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Hello, everyone. Um, I will just reiterate that I am very involved in plant medicine and really happy to have explored and learned through Lauren more about this particular branch of plant medicine, which was new to me until recently. So it just rounds out everything that I already know. Um, as an herbalist, I'm just looking for the plants in my area that I can use to treat acute minor conditions. Beautiful, glad you're here. And Megan, good to see you. Good to see all of you too, thanks for joining. My name is Megan Lemp and I practice acupuncture, uh, Japanese bodywork and gemotherapy. Wonderful. So let's tell these folks about dog rose. Terry, what, what can you tell us about the shrub of dog rose besides it's absolutely beautiful? You have to love this plant. It has so many wonderful uses and it is beautiful. Rosa canina is in the Rosaceae family, like some of the other plants we've already discovered and more to come. Uh, a very large family of plants, 2,500 at least. This plant is found at the edges. It's found at the edges of woods, at forests, fields, and I've even seen it growing in Denmark alongside beaches. So there it is not quite so tall, but normally near the forest, the edges of the woods, it can get up to 16 feet tall and just weaves its way in through the other trees as support. It is tough, it's fast growing, and it has multiple arching stems that are covered with short, tough, curved thorns. The leaf edges are finely serrated, like most roses that you can imagine. And the flowers are five-petaled, and in this case, they're white and pink together. Blooming in um, May to June in most of North America. It could be earlier in other parts of the world. The flowers are fo followed by bright red hips called hips or the fruit of the plant and um, that's, that would be August to October although they remain on the plant and are good food for birds and other small animals. Wow. I can imagine there's some very interesting history and folklore having to do with dog rose. Well I'd be very surprised if you could find a culture that does not have historical uses or mythology for this plant. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. Uh, there have been fossils found in Montana that are 35 million years old uh, of this plant. Um, the evidence of cultivation goes back about 3,000 years, as far as we know, in Greece and China. And you may have heard stories about Cleopatra that covered her room in roses. She bathed in rose water in order to seduce Mark Antony. The Persian word for rose is jewel. I don't know if that's the correct correct noun, uh, pronunciation, but G-U-L, which is closely related to another word in Persian that means spirit. And I have even had a dessert from a Mediterranean restaurant called julabi, 
which is a nice sweet pastry that's drenched in rose water and honey. It's delicious if you ever get a chance to try it. Um, there's also legal terms that have come from this plant. The legal term sub rosa means uh, the reference to the Roman practice of hanging a rose blossom above a conference table, which would signify anything that took place during that meeting was, would be held in confidence. We could expect it to be held in confidence. Um, Mary Magdalene had several rose names attached to her, one of them including the Rose of Sharon, which again is a reference to several other plants. It's a common name. It's used to reference to a lot of plants around the world. In Germany, of course, we're back to the area where there's lots of spirits and dwarves and elves. They say that um, the fairies and the dwarves protect this plant. And if you think of the story of Beauty and the Beast, mm -hmm. this was the mistake that Beauty's father made was to pluck a rose from Beast's garden and it caused all kinds of havoc there. Uh, and I think one of the most fascinating parts is the fact that cathedrals throughout the world have what they call a rose window. And this dates back thousands, thousands of years, but the Rosicrucians used the rose for their secret symbol. And this was an ancient secret society that started way back in the Egyptians, um, I wanna say, I don't know, BC, BC for sure. And was uh, the modern iteration, if you can call it modern, was around the 1600s. So at that time, these people were very interested in the usual religious practices and beliefs combined with occultism and metaphysics. And um, they were very challenging to the Christian church. And so there's some back and forth. But if you've read any Dan Brown novel or any of those sorts of things, you might have seen something referring to this. Uh, the Rose also, of course, has been referenced by many musicians, many authors, poets, as far back as Homer, um, Shakespeare, of course, Chaucer. And we think, I just think, you know, how many songs have roses in them? And you being in Texas, the yellow rose of Texas, right. Right there, the wild Irish rose and so on. So it's, it's really prominent in a lot of cultural and historical references. Wow. Wow, each one of those would have its own thread of questions I can see as follow-ups. Thank you for enlightening us. Terry, what, what do you see as the potential in this plant for medicinal purposes? Well, it's funny that all parts of this, including the roots, have been used herbally, except for the seed, because the seed is very itchy, scratchy, and in fact, it was kind of a joke to throw the seeds right. down someone's back and call it itchy, scratchy plant or something like that. But um, one of my favorite herbalists is Matthew Wood. He happens to be a Minnesotan, but he's known internationally. He calls rose the primary remedy for autoimmune conditions and saying that it reduces heat and it conditions and nourishes the system. So herbally, it's been used for drying up and cooling down mucous membranes, um, cooling liver heat and skin issues. Chemically, we can see that it has high vitamin C, E, A, K, some manganese, magnesium, calcium. I just look at this plant as um, a dichotomy in a way. You see the softness in its makeup, the petals, and you have a 
a wonderful, lovely fragrance with it that's sort of soft. When it's coupled with protection, as in the thorns, I think not only of the physical help from the plant, but the emotional and spiritual help that is also available from this plant. So on this level, as I said earlier, the Persians referred to the word spirit for it. Um, I think it has been used to balance the heart herbally, love and grief being both sides of that coin, anxiety of spirit, feeling unseen or unheard. I truly think rose requires that you value yourself first and you keep your self-respect in the relationship, but when necessary and called for, you can certainly show your thorns. I also think of just a thought to consider is, is this, this plant growing at the edges? I wonder if we need it when our body and our spirit reaches those edges in our lives. Wow. Wow. So much to think about with that. You know, it's interesting because from a gymotherapeutic perspective, Dog Rose has such a solid home in the acute care protocols that it was only recently that we started looking at its potential for emotional health and for the nervous system. And I think we barely tapped into that. Um, just hearing what you're sharing, obviously it's been used for centuries in these um, different ways. So when, when we look at Dog Rose, which the part of the plant is the shoot that we're using, that makes the gemotherapy extract. And its, its primary action is as a tonic for the immune system. This, this tonifying action um, activates the macrophage cells in the respiratory and osteoarticulatory systems. And it resolves allergic reactions in the inflammation of the mucosal lining, whether that be in the mouth or the respiratory system, sinus areas, and reduces histamines, although not as intensely as black currant can. The secondary action though is on the central nervous system. And I think this bears a lot of um, discovery yet. Um, we will continue to focus on this, but we have discovered in microdoses, it being wonderful for resolving hysterical states and, and, and calming, offering a general soft calming, very much like the blossoms, right? It stimulates osteoblast cells to promote the healthy development of bones and teeth, especially for children. So in my practice for, for years and years and years, I always thought of this as a children's remedy. And then in a class I was teaching recently with new practitioners from all over the world, um, one of them joined in and said, I'm here because I had this incredible experience with my 85-year-old mother who nothing was helping her convalesce and recuperate from this um, major surgery and illness that she'd had. And someone had recommended gemotherapy. And she said, not knowing anything about it, I ordered a bottle of dog rose and this was a woman I'm trying to, she was trying to treat her mother who hadn't been able to raise her head off her pillow in bed since this procedure. And within minutes, she said, of the dog rose hitting her tongue, her strength came back. And she was within an hour sitting up 
and by the end of the day moving about which made her quite the believer but it made me realize how beautiful this could be at the different ends of life and for these frail states right so in acute we it has a very solid home for sinus um, sinusitis whether the, and, and allergies headaches swelling of the adenoids and headaches as i mentioned it's combined with dog um, excuse me common fig um, for the nervous system and microdoses i think we need to look at it for anyone feeling frail emotionally or physically and and that can be very short term and then things open up for a different acting extract but um i think much like dog rose restores a sense of protection like a hedgerow so when we think of that 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 um, picture comes to mind it's very clear the the period needing this i have found to be relatively short maybe it's a handful of days maybe it's a week or so and then for chronic symptoms, again, my experience in my practice has always been with children, but now it's become commonplace to give it out to elderly for general immune support, for chronic, any chronic symptoms involving the mouth or respiratory tract or sinuses, for children needing support in development of teeth and bones, and um, if they have recurring respiratory infections, children particularly, combined with silver fir and silver birch. It not only um, promotes the, um, the strength of their immune system, but harmonizes their growth too, which are intertwined. So that's quite a bit about dog rose from the bottle and from um, the perspective of gemotherapy. Megan, what can you share with us about the Asian medicine list? Yes, dog rose, I have to say, is one of my favorite extracts I do have young kids in the house and I used it quite successfully for myself and for them, but I'm very interested in exploring it and I can see its relevance at any age. Dog roots is primarily a lung and kidney support extract. So it's straddling both sources of chi. It's straddling the kidney chi that we inherit ancestrally and it's supporting the um, postnatal chi, which we make on a daily basis. It's such an important extract because it supports, if we're talking about pediatrics, if we're talking about any age, it supports the lung energy. It supports our breath, our respiratory system. It supports our immune system and our most outer layer of defense against pathogens and the outer world. It also supports the kidney, which if we think about trees, kidney is our most foundation, our most ancestral energy. It acts as the roots of our tree as a human. The chi that acts as our savings account for our whole life is our kidney energy, is our prenatal energy, and it supports a healthy development for both the body and the brain as we move through each phase of life. As you can remember for some of, from some of our other discussions where we're talking about the two sources of chi, Asian medicine defines our prenatal chi as our kidney chi, and we're supporting that in this situation. And we're also supporting our postnatal chi, which is the chi that's developed um, by the digestion and the lungs from food, fluid, and breath. When we're talking specifically about lung, 
we're talking about our, the most exterior of our yin organs. It acts as the meeting place of the interior and the exterior of the body, and it's our first layer of defense. Therefore, other than digestive imbalances, upper respiratory uh, issues, which are imbalances of lung and also sometimes kidney, are the primary thing that we see when our external environment changes, uh, when kids or somebody of any age are under stress or when the weather changes. The relationship between lung and kidney is very much at play in many upper respiratory challenges. We know that lung controls the breathing and the respiration, but kidney harnesses and roots and grounds that lung energy. So lung's nature is to descend, but that process is supported by the kidney chi. If the kidney chi is weak, the lung is gonna be less able to descend, and we might see some shallow breathing or breathing only up in the upper diaphragm, and we might see some coughing start. We know that the lung opens into the nose and the throat, and the kidney opens into the ears, right? So if we think about upper respiratory problems, and in this situation, maybe we could think particularly pediatrics, since historically it's been used that way, we think nose, ears, throat, and lungs. Those are the things that we see all the time. Because lung opens into the nose and throat and kidney opens into the ears, when either one of those meridians are a bit weak, we're gonna see some heat, some congealed fluids or phlegm, and some inflammation start to come into those areas. Kidney is in charge of the bones and the marrow. And it's interesting to differentiate marrow in Asian medicine. There's three types of marrow that it's acknowledged in Asian medicine. There's the bone marrow, the spine marrow, and the brain marrow. Our brain is considered the densest form of our marrow, and we call that the sea of marrow in Asian medicine. So we can see that the extract of dog rose is supporting kidney. It's supporting the generation and strength of our bones and teeth. And it's also nourishing the brain. Interestingly, when we're talking about the brain, we should note that kidney chi is associated with our will, with willpower, determination, and memory. An old text says that if kidney chi is plentiful, both the bone, which is how kidney supports the body, and the brain, which is how kidney supports the mind, will be strong. One last point that's important is the Chinese medicine clock. This is something that Lauren talks about sometimes. The Chinese medicine clock maps out the movement of our chi through the body in relation to time. And it's interesting to note that if you're seeing an aggravation in symptoms from three to seven a.m. or from three to seven p.m., you're probably looking at a lung and kidney involved. Wow. Wow, Megan, great. Thank you so much information. Love it. I need some common fig to help me digest it all now. <laughs> Ladies, it was wonderful being with you. Let's share with everyone where they could get some more information. On trees, Terry, is there anything you'd like to recommend? 
Well, Matthew Wood, my favorite herbalist, has written many books, but this is the one I referred to for this particular podcast, um, Earthwise Herbal, and this is New World Medicinal Plants. Beautiful. But this is The New World by Matthew Wood. And also another really excellent herbalist, Robin Rose Bennett, The Gift of Healing Herbs. And she has a lot to say about Rose and the emotional aspect of it. Oh, lovely. Thanks, Terry. And Megan? Yes, you can find out about more about Asian medicine in my practice at acculemp.com, A-C-U-L-E-M-P.com. And for more information on an overview of Asian medicine, I recommend the book, The Web That Has No Weaver. Beautiful. And for learning more about chemotherapy, please have a look at my website, laurenhubelay.com. There's a beginner's guide to gemotherapy that you can flip through. I have books that I've written on the topic. And of course, we have more podcasts for you to listen to. So thanks, ladies. I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom with everyone today. Thank you.